Welcome in, everybody, episode 20, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is having a great week. And hope everybody is ready for a fun week 11 slate in college football. I know I say every week is a fun week, but first of all, they are. We only got a few of them left. We're going to enjoy every single one of these puppies. But on top of that, some really intriguing matchups. You, you look at a, a old Miss at A&M play, a completely different style. Georgia, can anybody move the ball on Georgia? Maybe it's that quick strike offense from Tennessee. Obviously, Michigan can hardball win a game when he absolutely needs to. So really fun slate. Oklahoma Baylor, by the way, of course, as well. So really fun slate, lot to get into, really excited about this week 11 slate. We're going to jump right in, right after, of course, we welcome back our partners at DraftKings, who, as I told you last episode, have an incredible deal for listeners of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Here is the deal. College football is rolling, and our partners at DraftKings, again, they have an incredible offer for college football fans, first-time users. If you have never used DraftKings before, this is what you got to do. Click on the link in the show description, and here is the deal that you get. If you bet $1 on any college football game this weekend, and the team that you pick scores one point, so you like Alabama to score one point against New Mexico State, first-time users bet $1. If the team scores one point, you get $100 in free bets. You heard that correctly. Pick a team, one point. $100 in free bets, courtesy of our partners at DraftKings. Here's what you got to do, like I just said. Show description. You listen on iTunes, you listen on Google Music, Spotify, wherever. Go in there. There is a link. You have to click on that to give me credit. I hope you do. I hope you enjoy what we do here at College Football Betting. Click on the link in the show description. Sign up for a new DraftKings account. Make your first deposit. Make a $1 bet on any team. And if your team scores one single point, just pick Alabama. There's no way they get shut out by New Mexico State. You get $100 in free bets thanks to our partners at DraftKings. Again, this is the best deal going in college football betting. You're not going to find anything like it anywhere else. If you're a first-time user, go ahead and act now because this thing ain't going to last forever. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter. 18 plus or over in Wyoming. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, let's get into this week 11 slate. And like I said off the top, um, I, I, I know that on paper this doesn't look like this unbelievable slate of incredible games. But when you actually look at what is at stake for so many of these teams at this time of year, I think it's going to be a fascinating weekend. I mean, Michigan is still very much in this thing as they go, go get set to go face Penn State. 
Oklahoma is back on the field for the first time in two weeks. Texas A&M, I think, has a weird, bizarre path if they can get to the SEC championship game. I think they can compete with Georgia. And so let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Let's start with Michigan-Penn State. When I recorded on Monday, Penn State was actually a one-point favorite in this game. All of the money coming in now on Michigan, Michigan minus one. The over-under is at 48 and a half. And what I find interesting about this game is what I said to you on, on Monday's show. How you bet this game, and I never tell you how to bet, is basically based on one of two things. Do you strictly go off the numbers? Do you strictly go off the data? Do you strictly go off what you see on a piece of paper? Or do you bring the quote-unquote human element into it? Because if you strictly go off the piece of paper... Michigan is the better team and the more complete team and has all the advantages in this game, which we'll get into in a minute. If you actually believe in the human element, though, then you're kind of sitting there saying, huh, Jim Harbaugh, big game. I don't know. What should I do? What should I bet? And so let's get into it. Let's break it down. And let's start with Michigan, because what I would say is this with Michigan is uh, I thought it was really interesting on Tuesday night. The committee actually came out and said what I've been saying for weeks. They believe Michigan is one of the most complete teams in college football. Now, I don't think that's reason to rank them ahead of Michigan State, but I think it's something I've been harping on for a while. They run the ball really well. They're good in the kicking game. They are really good on run defense, really good in pass defense. The only thing they don't do at an elite level is really throw the ball all over the field, and it's more because they don't ask Cade McNamara to do that, but that he is capable of doing that uh, when he is asked to do it. And so when you look at this game, I don't really know what Michigan's weakness is, and I don't really know where they can be exposed unless they have a complete meltdown like they did against uh, Michigan State. Penn State, on the other hand, listen, I get they've played probably outside of maybe Nebraska, maybe Arkansas. They probably play the toughest schedule in college football, and I do think that factors in when you kind of look at the raw data that they have uh, in terms of what they do. They played at Wisconsin. They played at Iowa. They played at Ohio State. They played Auburn. They still have Michigan this weekend and Michigan State on the road. I mean, that is a brutal, brutal, brutal schedule. Um, and there's no shame in taking a loss or two in the games that they took losses in outside of that Illinois game. But also credit to them because let's not forget, they beat a good Wisconsin team. They beat a good Auburn team. The thing about Penn State, though, we're now 10 weeks into the season. This is week 11. This will be their 10th game. We know who they are, and this team cannot run the football. Really good against uh, uh, throwing the football, 25th nationally, but 117th nationally in rushing offense. That is really bad. They are the second worst rushing team in the Big Ten, only behind Purdue, who doesn't even try to run the football because that's not what Jeff Brom does. And so you talk about the 117th ranked run defense. That's ultimately why I do think the matchups favor Michigan in this game. Michigan is... Uh, just okay against the run, but they are elite against the passing game on defense. They rank ninth nationally in pass defense, seventh in seventh in pass completion percentage allowed. In other words, the completion percentage of the opposite quarterback. And so this is going to be the best secondary that Sean Clifford has played against all year. Sean Clifford's been really good, but we know that Wisconsin defense, as good as they are against the run, are not very good against the pass. Ohio State, we're going to get into in a second, 96th nationally against the pass. Michigan is number nine nationally against the pass, and I think you are going to, if you have any hope of beating Michigan, establish the run game because I don't think you're going to be able to get much through the air. Then there's Michigan when they have the ball, and what I would say, again, is this, advantage Michigan. They are number seven nationally in passing, or in run, running, excuse me. Penn State, just 49th in run defense. And so as I look at this game, just think about what I'm saying. Michigan, top 10 
pass defense, the best pass defense Penn State has faced all year against a really good Penn State pass offense. Penn State can't run the ball. Michigan is good but not great on, on, the, on the running side of things on defense, 30th nationally. And then when Michigan has the ball, their strength goes up against Penn State's weakness, and their weakness goes up against Penn State's strength in terms of they're not going to have to pass the ball because they might be able to just run the ball down Penn State's throat. So I don't know what will happen. I don't tell you how to bet. I don't tell you where to wager. I mean, I do tell you to wager DraftKings Sportsbook, but you get the point. I don't tell you where to put your money. But what I am telling you, if you believe that Harbaugh is not a choke artist and isn't going to gag and isn't going to do all those things, the advantages do go to Penn State, or do go to Michigan, excuse me. Interesting game. The fact that it's at noon I do think helps Michigan as well. I think they enjoy playing on the road this year. They, they played really well at Wisconsin, played really well at Nebraska, obviously played well for three quarters against Michigan State. So something to consider there. This will not be their first tough road environment. Other big game. And I think it's really interesting. How about the fact that the two biggest games probably of the day, Michigan-Penn State, Oklahoma-Baylor, are both 12 noon Eastern kickoff, 11 Central time in Waco. What is it, McLean Stadium at Waco? I can't even remember. I just know it's along the Brazos River. Love the Brazos River. Big fan of the Brazos River. Oklahoma, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under set at 62. First of all, I think I said this a minute ago. Kind of wild. Like, it feels like Oklahoma has just been completely off the radar here over the last two, three, four weeks um, because you beat Kansas, you beat a bad Texas Tech team, then you go into a bye, first college football playoff ranking released, second college football playoff ranking released, and now they are finally back on the field. They should be healthy. They should be refreshed. They should be as re-energized as they've been since week one and maybe even more re-energized because now they got Caleb Williams, a quarterback. What's interesting to me about Baylor, I think I mentioned, by the way, Oklahoma five-and-a-half-point favorite over under at 62. What's interesting to me about Baylor is this. When we think of Baylor, we think of Dave Aranda. When we think of Dave Aranda, we think of these elite defenses, right? This was the guy, did it at Wisconsin, goes to LSU, defensive coordinator, wins a national championship at LSU. It's not the, the defense that's carrying Baylor right now. It's the offense. As a matter of fact, the defense, if anything, has actually been pretty bad. 562 yards allowed against TCU the last time that we saw them last week, and that is what allowed TCU to win that game is they were able to move the ball up and down the field against Baylor. 400-plus yards against Texas in a game that Texas jumped out to a big lead in. 400-plus uh, yards in a game against BYU. So you're talking about even in Baylor's wins, they are giving up 400-plus yards. To their credit, 57th nationally in total defense, but 27th in scoring defense. In other words, this feels like a very much bend but do not break type of defense for Baylor. Just one problem. I don't know that you want to play bend but don't break against Caleb Williams because I think you're going to break, break early and break often. Caleb Williams, these are, these are the yardage totals that Caleb Williams has put up since he was named the starter. First of all, 662 yards against Texas. He wasn't technically the starter, but most of those yards came with him under center. 541 yards against Texas Tech, 398 yards against Kansas in a game where Kansas just completely controlled time of possession, all that stuff, tried to keep that Oklahoma offense off the field, 525 yards versus TCU, and so really what this game comes down to, I don't think Baylor's going to have a ton of success slowing down Oklahoma, and the big thing is, can they move the ball against Oklahoma, especially on the ground, kind of like Michigan-Penn State. Uh, Baylor is only the opposite, really. Baylor is a really good team running the ball. They currently rank in the top 10 nationally. Just one problem. 
Oklahoma's going to be the best run defense that they have seen all year. They rank number 17th nationally, Oklahoma does, in run defense. And basically, can Baylor's quarterback make plays with his arm because they are a run-based offense in Waco? Something interesting, something to consider, something worth keeping an eye on. But I am just telling you, when you look at this game, I will say, we might think Oklahoma's overrated. We might think they should have lost one or two games earlier in this year, but another one where the matchups really favor Oklahoma. Let's get to the AM Ole Miss game. We'll take a quick break, come back and look at the rest of the games on the college football slate. AM and Ole Miss. Uh, AM open, I think, about a one, one and a half point favorite. It is up to two and a half now. The over under set at 55 and a half. And I just said it a minute ago, but AM. I think they're quietly probably one of the more interesting teams in college football. They obviously have that win against Alabama. They have two losses early against Arkansas and Mississippi State. I don't think people realize if they run the table and if Alabama loses one more game, it's Texas A&M that is going to the SEC championship game to play Georgia, and I would argue that they match up better with Georgia than Alabama does. Now, you can argue Alabama because of the history, because of Nick Saban's success against assistant coaches before this year against Jimbo Fisher, that Alabama will be the tougher opponent for Georgia. But I just think when you look at how those two teams play, Alabama can't block anybody right now. A&M is awesome along both lines. And when you look at why is A&M playing so well, it's exactly what I just told you. They are great in the trenches, or they have really been great in the trenches dating back to that Alabama game. The stat that blows me away, last three weeks, they have over 200-plus yards pass, uh, rushing, excuse me, and in two of those games, over 250 yards rushing. And in all three of those games, they have also held their opponent under 300 yards rushing. And so when I look at this game, and when I look at a and success, I think it's pretty simple, right? A&M, uh, if you can average over 100 yards more rushing per game than your opponent, you're going to have success. I mean, it's the most simple football logic ever. You control the line of scrimmage on offense and you're able to move the ball in the run game. You control the line of scrimmage on defense and stop the run. It puts you in pretty good position to win these games. And I don't know that anybody outside Georgia is really playing better defense than A&M right now. Last week against uh, Auburn, 226 total yards. Bo Nix averaged 3.7 yards per pass. Uh, 2.5 yards per rush for Auburn, three points, and Texas A&M is just absolutely playing lights out right now. For Ole Miss, listen, we've talked about it. Ole Miss just really banged up with injuries, and anytime I say that, people get mad. Oh, everybody's hurt this time of year. Ole Miss's bye was like week six. I mean, like week three, week four, something like that, before the Alabama game. Remember when Ole Miss played Alabama? It seems like a lifetime ago. Since then, they have played what? They have played... They played five straight SEC games, six straight games total against Liberty, and they're just really beat up. Lane Kiffin said earlier this week, Matt Corral is not practicing right now. Basically, that his ankle is a ticking time bomb. They get it you know, good enough. They basically don't let him practice, get it good enough to play on Saturdays, and then it blows up again. It explodes, and uh, he's back on the men the following week. I thought Lane Kiffin had an interesting, uh, interesting comment this week. He said, there's going to be no team that is better from their last game of the regular season into bowl season than us because we're able to get healthy. But I will say the one thing on, a, on, on this game is very interesting. The over-under has gone way under for Ole Miss in the last couple weeks. We think Ole Miss is this dominant uh, offensive juggernaut. Here are the numbers. Over-under against Tennessee was 82 points. 57 were scored in that game. LSU game, over-under was 77 points. 48 total points in that game. Auburn, over-under was 66. 
51 total points scored in that game. Liberty, 67 points, 41 points scored last week against uh, in the Liberty game total. So you look at those numbers. These games are going way, way, way under, and now you're playing the best defense that you'll have played all year. I'm not telling you how to bet, but that is something to consider. All right, so what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to talk a little, uh, what are we going to talk? We're going to talk a little Auburn-Mississippi State. Going to talk a little bit of Ohio State-Purdue, a little bit of Arkansas-LSU, a couple other games. We will be right back. All right, let's get to the rest of the Week 11 slate. We probably should start with Georgia. Didn't even mention that Georgia's playing Tennessee before the break, but really interesting game. Georgia's a 20-point favorite. The over-under is set for 56, and I do think there's kind of this concept of like, look, no one's saying Tennessee's going to win, but if Georgia's ever going to have trouble, it feels like it would be against a Tennessee team that scored 45 points in 13 minutes of time of possession last week. In other words... Tennessee is a very quick strike offense. If you look at their touchdown scores against Kentucky, I mean, it's kind of incredible. One play, 75 yards. Three plays, 75 yards. Uh, four plays, 35 yards. You go on and on and on down the list. Final scoring drive of the game, three plays, 47 yards. That was what Tennessee did against Kentucky. And I think the obvious thought would be, okay, no one's saying they're beating Georgia. But if anyone can keep it close, if anybody can keep it competitive, it's them. I do worry, though, and let me explain why, and it's not just because Georgia's amazing. It is because, like so many of these offenses, I always tell you, Ole Miss, Texas, Oklahoma, we think of these as these pass-happy, throw-the-ball-60-times-a-game offenses. Tennessee is a run-first offense. They are 19th nationally in rushing, 58th nationally in passing. And so can they move the ball on the ground enough against Georgia to actually be able to open up the vertical passing game? Now, sometimes, like against Alabama, they couldn't really move the ball on the ground, but they threw the ball well enough that they were able to, to, to keep things close against Alabama. This ain't Bama. This is a different deal playing this Georgia defense, and that is kind of the thing that I worry about in this game. Again, I think the assumption is, well, Tennessee, they'll figure out a way to put 14, 18, 20, 21 points on the board. They'll cover the spread. Uh, are we sure? Because Georgia hasn't given up more than 13 points all year. So I'm not saying that Tennessee is incapable of putting up 13, 16, 18, 21 points. What I am saying, though, however, is this. If they do it, it will be an outlier over the course of this entire season because nobody has been able to do that against Georgia all season long. On top of that, what I would also say, I don't think a lot of people realize this Georgia offense is humming right now. 38 points per game they rank in the top 20 nationally in scoring and yes a lot of that comes from short fields on defense a lot of it comes from plays on defense where they get points uh obviously most notably that florida game a few weeks ago but again if you're picking tennessee to cover and i'm not saying it's the wrong side or the right side i'm just trying to give you both perspectives what you're saying is tennessee is going to hold that they're either going to score enough to keep it close, which statistically they won't, or they'll stop them enough. And, and we just don't have any data points that show us that's the case. I mean, look at Georgia's scores in SEC play. They are staggering when you look at them. This season, these are Georgia's scores in SEC play. And again, Tennessee's a 20-point favorite here. Georgia beat South Carolina 40-13, 27-point win. They beat Vanderbilt 62 nothing. 62-point win. They beat Arkansas 37-0, 37-point win. They beat Auburn 34-10, uh, 24-point win. They beat Kentucky 30-13. to set 30 That is a 17-point win. And keep in mind, Kentucky scored on the final play of the game. 34-7 Florida, 43-6 Missouri. 
So basically, in the entire season, they have had one game that was within 20 points, and that was when Kentucky scored on the final play of the game. But then with the over-under, if you think Tennessee could score, you want to go over. But at the same time, there's only one game that has had hit a 56-point total all year. So I'm not telling you how to bet. I'm not telling you how to wager. Cause, and I'll tell you this. I definitely wouldn't tell you on this one because I have no idea myself. I think I would take Tennessee, but I don't really know what I would do. I don't really know what to tell you because I don't tell you how to wager. Uh, Purdue, let's go to Big Ten. We'll get back to the SEC in a minute, but this one is really interesting to me. Purdue, Ohio State, top 25 teams. Ohio State is a 21-point favorite. The over-under is 63. And I will tell you this. I do like Purdue. Don't tell you how to bet. And it may be a really square play because this line opened up about Ohio State minus 21. The number got all the way down to Ohio State minus 20, and now it is back up to 21, which means that late here in the week, a lot of money is coming in on Ohio State against Purdue, and I don't really understand why. First of all, Ohio State, I don't think people realize this, they are not very good against the pass this year. 96th nationally against the pass is Ohio State, and it's worth noting, it's not like they've played a ton of great pass offenses. They played uh, Penn State a few weeks ago. Penn State is really good against the pass. 361 yards through the air for Sean Clifford. But of the, of the nine teams that Ohio State has played so far this season, Minnesota, Rutgers, Indiana, all ranked 100 or worth in, worse in pass offense. Oregon and Akron are ranked in the bottom half of college football in pass offense. And so again, Ohio State's played nine games. Five of them were against bottom half off, uh, pass offenses in college football. And the ones that weren't, uh, none of them were very, very elite. So to me, I just sit there and say, I think Purdue's going to be able to move the ball. Top 10 nationally in passing, going against a bad pass defense. The other thing, which is kind of interesting, Purdue was actually pretty good against the pass. They actually ranked 15th nationally in pass defense. And Ohio State has really struggled to pass the ball of late. Uh, struggled is a little bit of a strong word, but there's no doubt that as the competition level has gotten higher, C.J. Stroud has not been as good as he was early in the season. In those wins over Rutgers, Indiana, and Maryland, that three-game win streak where everybody said Ohio State's back, where I said, and I think I was wrong on this, they were the definitive second-best team in the country. They still might be, but it's not definitive. In those three games, C.J. Stroud completed at least a minimum of 72.5% of his passes in the uh, Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers games, 14 TDs, zero interception. The last two games against Penn State and Nebraska, as the competition has gotten tougher, he's completing 65% of his passes, give or take a percentage point there, three touchdowns, two interceptions in his last two games. So you go a three-game stretch where you complete at least 72.5% of your passes, 14 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, 65% completion percentage, three touchdowns, two interceptions in his last two. Not saying that Ohio State wins. I don't really understand how they are a three-touchdown three favorite, though I know the game is at the shoe, but I don't really get that one. A couple other games let's rip through. Uh, Mississippi State is at Auburn. Auburn is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set for 50. Shout-out to Auburn fans who all told me I was an idiot because I said you want to keep the ball out of Bo Nix's hands if you have any chance against Texas A&M last week. They all called me an idiot. They all called me a jerk. They all called me dumb. And what happened? Bo Nix was terrible. Fumble recovery for a touchdown was the difference in that game. And I'll tell you this. I don't know if Mississippi State wins this game. I do think they are uniquely designed to slow down this Auburn offense, though. First of all, really good against the run. Top 15 run defense nationally. They also, uh, while their, their pass defense isn't statistically amazing, 
Um, they do have 10 interceptions in nine games this year, which I believe ranks third in the SEC right now. How do you beat Auburn? Slow down the run. Make Bo Nix beat you. Pick off a lot of tough passes. That's an interesting thing to consider. The other thing to consider in this game is the psyche of both teams. And I do talk about it sometimes, kind of what I said about Harbaugh a few minutes ago. Do you really factor these things in when you make your wagers? I'll tell you this. Auburn, physical, tough, body blow game last week against Texas A&M. How do you recover? How do you come back from that game? Are you physically able to come back from that game? Mississippi State, on the other hand, outgained Arkansas by over 100 yards and lost. So you'd think they'd come in fired up. Lastly, Auburn defense 57th nationally against the pass. Uh, I'd be concerned if I was an Auburn fan. Not saying you're going to lose, but I think this one could be competitive. Uh, a couple other games, Arkansas LSU. Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, in terms of this game, the over-under in this game of Arkansas LSU is 59. I don't even know how you begin to project this one. LSU is just all over the place, okay? These are the last five games for LSU. I mean, when I just say this out loud, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, but the, the last five games for LSU, uh, you get, uh, you blow a second half, a, a fourth quarter lead against Auburn. That was a nine point fourth quarter lead. You lose in, in uh, at home. You get blown out by Kentucky. You then beat Florida. You then lose to Ole Miss. You then come off a of bye play Alabama really tough and lose that game. You're one and four in your last five. But uh, could have beat Auburn, could have beat Alabama, or com a complete no-show against Kentucky and Mississippi against Ole Miss. Tell me where the consistency is in LSU. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, and so projecting this game, I just don't know what to tell you. We know who these two teams are at this point. Arkansas is a team that wants to run the ball. Uh, LSU is a team that has struggled to run the ball. They have also struggled to stop the run. My lean would be Arkansas. I don't tell you how to bet. But this is another one I would have absolutely no idea. One other game that I think is worth monitoring, Notre Dame at Virginia, okay? So Virginia, very interesting team. Virginia, check this out. Explosive, explosive, explosive offense for Virginia. I don't think people realize. Like, there's some really intriguing, interesting offenses in the ACC this year. Um, Virginia right now is a top 15 scoring offense in college football, 39 points per game. I told you Wake Forest in North Carolina last week could move the football. Virginia could score the football. Here's the great thing about Virginia, though. You want entertainment? They can't make stops either. Last time they played was that game against BYU. 66-49 to was the final score. And in eight of Virginia's nine games, they have scored at least 30 points this year. And twice they have scored 39-plus points and lost. So you look for a game that maybe is the right move to take an over in. Notre Dame is playing at Virginia. Uh, it's a Saturday night game. It is in, not Blacksburg, where is that? Charlottesville. And you talk about an intriguing game. Virginia, five and a half point home favorite. Over under was at 63. It's already up to 64. It is continuing to go up. So that is one worth monitoring. I think I hit pretty much everything else. Wake Forest, North Carolina State is really interesting. Really good offense against really good defense. We saw Wake Forest last week. We saw what they are able to do. They currently have the number three scoring offense in college football, 44 points per game. Then we have NC State, a defense that is very, very, very good this year, one of the best in the ACC. They are a team that uh, is number six nationally in total defense. In scoring defense, they're only allowing 16 points per game. So that's one great offense, great defense. Have no idea what to tell you. All right. 
I think that's about it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. A little bit of a quicker show today. I wanted to rip through it. Wanted to get this out to you here on a late Thursday. I usually have it out early Thursday, but I had some personal stuff come up. If you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to do that. Rate, review, go ahead, give us a quick five-star. Make sure you're always following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. See you guys next week, people. Thank you.